Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. This is the Canty and Carlin podcast. Breaking news, Kyrie Irving has demanded a trade from the Brooklyn Nets. When a trade demand is made like this from a man like this, it lowers the trade value. It doesn't submarine it. They did not request specific teams to be traded to. The Nets have to move them. Let's play that game. To me, the Lakers are the only team that checks the boxes of being desperate enough to make a move and having assets they're willing to part with to do it. This is what comes with Kyrie. You never know if he's fully invested and committed that he wants out. Six days ahead of the NBA's trade deadline, Kyrie Irving says he wants out of Brooklyn, according to ESPN's Adrian Wojnarowski. You're listening to Canty and Carlin on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM Channel 80, and on your smart speaker by saying, play ESPN Radio. Alongside Randy Scott, I'm Courtney Cronin. Happy Friday to you and yours. ESPN Radio is presented by Progressive Insurance. In about 10 minutes, we're we're going to get into the thick of the Kyrie Irving conversation, what it means for the Nets, and what it means for other teams, potentially suitors for Kyrie Irving in the NBA. But right now, we'll welcome in Mike Trudell, Lakers sideline reporter for Spectrum Sportsnet. And Mike, before we get into LeBron and the scoring title that remains in the balance right now, I heard something there from one of our NBA insiders, Tim Bontemps, when he said that the Lakers are the only team that's desperate enough right now to make a move potentially for Kyrie Irving. Could you see that as a possibility? Well, first of all, what's happening, Courtney? Nice to be with you. And uh, man, Randy Scott, just hearing that name, that certainly peaked me up. Um, <laughs> I, I would just say this, like talking to, uh, to LeBron James, right, for the last several, not just months, but years, right? Anytime something like this comes up and it's a hypothetical, um, he, he always goes to keeping the main thing the main thing. And when the Lakers got Anthony Davis back healthy after the five-and-a-half-week absence, I think that was the first sign. And, you know, they still need to see him maintain that health, which he's done pretty well so far. But that was the first sign that, you know, maybe the Lakers really could make a run here. And you're starting to see the way that the standings shape up. I mean, all of a sudden, if the Lakers were able to beat the Pelicans tomorrow, they would actually be in the playing territory. There are still so many teams just ahead of that that our run becomes more possible. So that, it's just something that I think has to be considered in any type of a trade situation that's going to pop up. Like, is this something that would make the Lakers good enough to actually win the title, uh, which, of course, is always the goal. You hear everybody in Los Angeles say that when they talk about building a team, particularly with the way that LeBron is playing and getting AD back. Um, and if you're going to make a move like that, what type of assets is it going to take that is going to potentially uh, impact the next move, whether that would be in free agency in the offseason, whether it would be a future trade? There's a lot of moving pieces. And anytime somebody texts me a trade idea, uh, it's, it's like you have to you can't just consider what it would do for the team that you want that player on. Right. It, it, you have to think, what's the other team going to give up? So um, I don't know if that if that answers that question. But I think there are many, many factors to consider. Uh, the biggest one just being, though, that maybe the Lakers are getting healthy enough where they think they can make a run um, if things fall into place the right way. 
Mike, it's a, it's a blunt question, but you know, until Kyrie Irving hit it uh, today, the story line surrounding the Lakers was LeBron James and this this pursuit of Kareem's all time NBA scoring record. And when I say it's a blunt question, why isn't this a bigger deal? Why why isn't this getting the same Aaron Judge pursuit of an American League home run record type of attention for a guy like this in this sport? Why isn't this a bigger deal right now? Randy, it's tough for me to answer that because from me being around the team every day and uh, the team just got to New Orleans, it's been a very big deal, right? It's been basically all anybody has been talking about around the team. You're the guy. You're the big national guy, right? We went to college together. Um, you were always a stud. You are always great looking. Um, everybody always liked you. Uh, I, I mean, I was a little bit better at beer pong. That's fine. And so you you have that perspective to give us. It has been a big deal around the Lakers. But I, I'll kick this back to you this way. What I think is interesting is that we rarely talk about how LeBron is already the NBA's all-time postseason leading scorer. And it's by a lot. It's by 2,000 more points than Michael Jordan. In fact, I think he passed Jordan in 2016. So just to kind of show you what LeBron has done from a playoff perspective, and we, we tend to value championships a certain way, right? That's kind of like the peak. But when we think about records and, you know, the home run record, now the scoring record, that's a regular season one. So I, I've been kind of battling myself and how to analyze that. Like, what does it mean to be the all-time career scorer in regular season versus what it does to be clearly the most dominant postseason player ever? And, and LeBron is about to have both. Mike Trudell, Lakers sideline reporter for Spectrum Sportsnet, joins Courtney Cronin and Randy Scott here on Canty and Carlin ESPN Radio. So to get to Randy's point here that we're just not making a big enough deal about it nationally, there's something else that happened last week where LeBron became fourth in the all-time assist leaderboard, which I feel like flew way under the radar here, Mike. And it leads me to think about LeBron at 38 years old and where he's at right now with very little drop-off. Now, I know that you get to see him up close every single day, whether it's shoot-around and games and in moments that are not available to the general public and fans. Have you ever have you seen any sort of moment that would lead you to believe that LeBron has slowed down at all? Because the way that he is still shooting the basketball, the way that he's driving to the rim without hesitation, and even last night in that win over the Indiana Pacers where he became just 63 points away from Kareem's record, and he did it by scoring 26, seven rebounds, seven assists. Like, he's still fueling fourth-quarter rallies. He's still that guy. Like, is there any sign that he's slowing down at this age? Well, certainly not on the offensive side of the court, Courtney, as as you just laid out. And, you know, I was lucky enough to get to watch Kobe's final season, which was his 20th. And there are only 10 players ever that have actually even played a 20th season. LeBron's averaging 30. Kobe that year averaged 17, and he wasn't able to do it as efficiently. Now, I think the, the qualifier there is that Kobe had been coming off the Achilles injury, and that was he just wasn't quite the same player after that. LeBron, you know, knock on wood, has never had that type of injury. Uh, he's just he's got this uh, this you know this body, this physique um, that he's taken care of in such a terrific way um, for so many years, and I think part of that is is what we're seeing pay off. If you're going to see any slippage, you know, it might come just in the terms of a, like, what if you watch Giannis play, right, a player who's in their late 20s, that prime prime, um, this is how Anthony Davis, you know, can play defensively. To be able to d- defend the other team's best player, right, and then still play on that side of the floor for the whole time, that's where I think you're going to see some drop-off, even in Le- LeBron James in his 20th year. 
But what he does, he kind of manages things enough where he can he can exert as much as he needs to in the late game situations on defense. So he's basically figured out the game. Um, it's it's not like it guarantees anything, but it does put the Lakers in a position even now as we look at them. What at twelfth in the standings, right? It's still a team that you would imagine nobody wants to see um, if the postseason comes around. Ten minutes ago, we'll get emoji watch here with Mike Trudell, Lakers sideline reporter for Spectrum Sportsnet. Ten minutes ago, LeBron just tweeting the eyeballs emoji and a crown emoji. So obviously that means that means what Mike Trudell translate it for us. Well, I was told that I was coming on mostly to tell stories about you from college. Is that not happening? (laughs) If you want to do emoji watch, we can do that. I thought Courtney might ask me a little bit more about you, but that's fine. Um, LeBron, LeBron is good at emojis. I will, I will say that. I mean, Mm -hmm. he is. and, and, And here's the reason why. He's got three kids, um, all of whom – well, actually, I don't know. Does, does Siri have her own cell phone at this point? She's pretty young. She's like my kid's age, uh, my eight-year-old age-ish. But, you know, so LeBron – there is nothing in the emoji game that LeBron doesn't have, Randy. And, and I yeah. – him – with the eyeballs there, I think we all I think we all could take a guess as to what he might be referring to. It sounds like you wanted me to say it, but you know, no, no. I think we can all we all have a decent Just idea. Having fun with the breaking news, that's all. <laughs> well we'll see if any of the speculation from LeBron, any of the tweets end up manifesting themselves in a trade for Kyrie Irving out of the Brooklyn Nets into the Los, Los Angeles Lakers organization. Maybe they're desperate enough to do it. Maybe they're willing to part ways with the 2027 first rounder to get there too. Who knows? Because we've seen them give up more for quite less uh, via trades, but that would be quite something considering where LeBron James is at in his career and some comments that Kyrie made earlier in the week that lead you to believe that his time or at least his desire to play with LeBron James is not done. Mike, we appreciate the time. Thanks so much for the insight into LeBron as he goes for the scoring title supposedly going to happen next oh, it's, Thursday. It's a pleasure. Yeah, maybe Tuesday, but Thursday seems like the most likely bet. We shall see. Um, you guys have a great rest of the day. Thanks for sparing and, the stories, buddy. For sure, bud. See ya. That was that was Mike Trudell, Lakers sideline reporter for Spectrum Sportsnet, and he had mentioned that could potentially be Tuesday against the Oklahoma City Thunder. Feels more likely that LeBron has three more games in him before he will end up surpassing Kareem Abdul-Jabbar as the NBA's all-time scoring leader, 63 points away from doing so. They've got the Pelicans on Sunday down in New Orleans, and then they're home on the 7th and the 9th of February, Oklahoma City and Milwaukee, respectively. Be a reminder to tune into NBA action tomorrow night as the Warriors host the Mavs, presented by Indeed. Coverage begins 8 p.m. Eastern time on select ESPN radio stations. Breaking news, Kyrie Irving has demanded a trade from the Brooklyn Nets. We saw this summer, he looked around and tried to find a trade. He couldn't find a trade. How does Kevin Durant feel right now? The Brooklyn Nets are actually in a pretty good spot. The Brooklyn Nets don't have to do anything. They can just ride this out like they did in the summer. I really don't understand this, but we never understand what goes on with Kyrie Irving. And here we are again. Kenny and Carlin, ESPN Radio, the ESPN app. Courtney Cronin, Randy Scott sitting in for the guys on this Friday afternoon. Speaking of the Dallas Mavericks, the game that you're going to be able to listen to on ESPN Radio this weekend, Adrian Wojnarowski reporting with ESPN's Tim McMahon says that the Dallas Mavericks have had previous interest on Kyrie Irving and are expected to explore the idea with the Nets ahead of Thursday's trade deadline. And like most teams, the Mavericks have had some reluctance to make a significant trade offer, 
of assets for Kyrie Irving. And you remember this offseason, they didn't really make a big splash move to pair someone with a superstar in Luka, John, Luka Doncic. And that all came after Jalen Brunson left in free agency to go to the New York Knicks. And now they have a situation where they could use some extra scoring. They could use a hand for Luka Doncic, who has a heel injury, which he sustained last night in the first 25 minutes of the Mavs game. And we don't know how long he's going to be out. But the Mavs seem to be one of the favorites before we even heard this report from Woj, just because it makes sense given what they lack on their roster currently around Luka Doncic and just how well Kyrie Irving's been playing, Randy. Yeah, Kyrie, I mean, this is not coming out of left field from a production standpoint with Kyrie. You know, his 27 a game, I mean, he stepped that up recently since Kevin Durant's been hurt. So uh, Kyrie Irving is a one when it comes to scoring. Um, And I I just wonder how two ball-dominant guys would coexist in the same system with Luka and with, you know, Kyrie. Kyrie is not Jalen Brunson in terms of a 1B when it comes to to scoring. I mean, he'll he'll take that role when Kevin Durant is the other scorer. Will he take it with Luka Doncic? Now, you know, Kyrie has that relationship with KD. That's the, that's what I what I why I invoke that, you know, it's it's clear that Kyrie is willing to you know, uh settle actually, you know, not even that. I mean, I, I is Luka Doncic going to take a hit in production to facilitate what Kyrie would need with the ball in his hand. I think that's I think that's the question. Or is this an indicator that the injuries, plural, to Luka Doncic are worse than we thought? I, I, I look at just general scoring numbers in the NBA, and Dallas is, I mean, 30, 29, 28, 27, 26, 27. They're 25th in scoring, 24th in scoring in the NBA. That's not, you know, I think that would surprise people that, hey, well, no, they have Luka Doncic, and he goes for 30 a game, so they must be among the league leaders. And, that could not be further from the case. So they do need a boost in scoring. They need non-Luka scoring. But how much, how how well could they coexist? Is there enough ball to go around once they are both, both back healthy and when they need the ball in their hands to create? And what kind of offer would the Nets be willing to take for Kyrie Irving? Because remember, he signed the extension with them in 2019. So he's in the final year of his deal. He's a free agent in 2023 this offseason so at this point you don't want him to walk for nothing so you're going to try to facilitate a deal and I've seen a lot of different trades over the course of the afternoon that make sense but here's a hypothetical one that I've been thinking over when you look at the Dallas Mavericks what they have because they've been linked to him before we know that and Mark Cuban is so desperate to find a running mate for Luka Doncic so considering the Nets in their history with players on this roster who's to say that it's not Kyrie Irving for Spencer Dinwiddie, for Dwight Powell, for a 2025 first-rounder, a 2026 swap in the first round, and maybe even that 2027 first-rounder as well. Like, you're going to get the Pantheon sort of trade that they were hoping they would get offer-wise for Kevin Durant this offseason, which never came to fruition because everybody was calling Brooklyn's bluff. But for Kyrie Irving and knowing what's on the table in the near future with free agency, I think you might actually be able to pull a haul like that off if you are the Brooklyn Nets. Are you going to get, I mean, it's it's one thing to get NBA-ready talent and NBA-ready players and not have to bank on future draft capital and things like that because if this team doesn't realize whatever lowered goals, whatever diminished goals they would have now after trading Kyrie, then it's another administration's problem, right? You're, you're setting the table for your successor if you're in that front office because you're not going to stay, you're not going to keep your job if you underperform now and if uh, in the eyes of some, 
however cursory this analysis might be, driven away another NBA superstar. You know, what? what's wrong with Brooklyn? They drove away James Harden and look who he turned into and, or, you know, how he rebounded his own game in Philadelphia. And wow, they, they traded for Ben Simmons and he continues to be such a mystery and such, you know, uh, uh, you know, lack of scoring option late in games if he's even playing late in games. So I, 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 I worry that Dallas, you know, is it Spencer Dinwiddie? You know, is it Dorian Finney-Smith? Is it Tim Hardaway Jr.? Is that enough to get you excited in Brooklyn? Probably not. You would have to have a sweetener of some of some draft pick, but you know how low is that draft pick going to be for a Dallas team that would add Kyrie Irving, you know, to the fold? So I, I don't envy the Brooklyn front office here because they stuck with Kyrie through his, you know, I don't know, choice to not get vaccinated, choice to sit out. They backed their guy, and he's rewarded them now with two PR nightmares. Yeah, and this is not exactly great for their title odds. Several different sports books showing the effect of this news this afternoon where their odds to win the title have plummeted to plus 1,200 after beginning the week at plus 550, which was tied for the second-best odds in the NBA. Kevin Durant hasn't played the last 11 games, yet the Nets are 4-7 and seven without him. They're hanging on. They're fourth right now in the Eastern Conference. News like this, a potential trade on the table would – effectively torpedo their season because of how well Kyrie Irving had been playing, averaging nearly 30 points in the absence of Kevin Durant over the last couple weeks. So it's pretty remarkable what this would do to Brooklyn from that standpoint of what it means, not just in the short term of their, you know, 2022-2023 title odds and their chances of making a deep playoff run, but what it means beyond that and what Kevin Durant would want to do if and when Kyrie Irving's not there. What it means for the Lakers, on the other hand, though, mm. title favorites, that's what Kendrick Perkins, ESPN NBA analyst, thinks. I think we have no choice but to make them the favorites, and especially how wide open the Western Conference is right now. The Memphis Grizzlies, they don't look good right now. The Pelicans has has fell off like no limit. Uh, Sacramento Kings, they're new to this. I mean, they're they're doing their thing, but are they really are they are they really going to represent the Western Conference? So when you look at it, like I said, it's not right now. Outside of Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown, it's not another duo that's. Playing Playing better than Anthony Davis and LeBron James, and if you could get Kyrie Irving at the level that he's playing with, playing at right now, and you pad them up, and that's your big three, I mean, who is going to beat them? Seriously. The level of parity in the Western Conference, I think, is a great thing this year. And he had mentioned two teams that have fallen off completely, which would then theoretically pave the way for a Lakers team that is trying to surge. They're 12th right now in the Western Conference. You've got a Pelicans team that's on a 10-game losing streak. We don't know when Zion's coming back from the hamstring injury, Randy. You've got a, a team down in Memphis right now that – was the darlings of the NBA. And then John Morant opened his mouth and said that there's no competition for them in the West besides themselves. And that was before Christmas. And lo and behold, out of their last eight games, they've won one of them. So I think this whole thing actually sets up if the Lakers are willing to go in and give the assets that the Brooklyn Nets would want, this sets up the Lakers to make a very deep run, assuming the big three pans out, because I just I hear Kendrick Perkins saying that, and I get it. AD, LeBron, Kyrie Irving, who's going to stop them? Who's going to make sure all three are on the floor? Because have we not said the same thing with the Brooklyn Nets, James Arden, 
Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving. Yeah. If it's injury, if it's not injury, it's something else that right. keeps those three from play, being together, playing what twenty something plus games as a big three. And you know that Anthony Davis has injury issues that often keep him off the court. There's no guarantee he stays healthy. And same thing with LeBron and the load management and everything that we've seen from him in year 38, preserving himself to be at his best. In theory, I really like the idea as a bas- from a basketball perspective only. But it's not a guarantee by any stretch. It's a great day for the Photoshop army on Twitter to put him in a Lakers jersey (laughs) and put that big three out there. I don't know. You're right that you're going to get 70 games with this trio next season. You're right about that. All right. That's that's what's happening in the NBA world. There's no football this weekend, so the NBA decides, okay, we're going to steal a spotlight for a little bit here because the Super Bowl, Super Bowl 57, that is, that is nine days away. We're going to get into the Mahomes and Hurts matchup later here on Canty and Carlin. But coming up next, the dirty truth about one NBA player after Randy tells you this from Wendy's. All right, Courtney, Wendy's knows everyone hates cold and soggy fries. The temps are cold enough. You don't need your food to be, too. That's why Wendy's changed their fries to serve them up hot and crispy every time. Guaranteed. Or they'll replace them for free. You heard that right. Replace them for free. Listen, you shouldn't have to worry about bad fries ruining your whole meal. And at Wendy's, you don't have to. You can enjoy natural cuts, skin-on potatoes, fried to golden perfection and perfectly sprinkled with sea salt. And because Wendy's fries are served up hot and crispy every single time, they stand up to any dip you throw at them. So grab your favorite sauce or Frosty, if you're into that sort of thing, and taste the difference hot and crispy can make. And let me tell you, it really does make a difference. Finally, the days of settling for cold and soggy fries are over. Head to Wendy's today to get your order of hot and crispy fries and make every day a Friday. That's F-R-Y, in case you missed it. At participating Wendy's, guaranteed to be hot and crispy. If yours aren't, Bring them back, and they'll replace them. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Feeling like you need a marketing degree and an extra day in your week to successfully market your small business? Let Constant Contact do the heavy lifting for you. Constant Contact's award-winning marketing platform has powerful tools that make it easy to grow your audience, engage your customers, and sell more to boost your business. Now, in just a few clicks, you can launch a marketing campaign that's tailored to your business and goals. That includes email, social, SMS, and more. So you can sell more, raise more, and fast-track your business growth. Plus, you can always count on Constant Contact's award-winning customer support for guidance along the way. So get going and start growing your business today with a free trial at ConstantContact.com. Constant Contact, helping the small stand tall. This is the Canty and Carlin Podcast. And now we've got Mitchell pushing into Dylan Brooks after a hard foul. 
Mitchell and Brooks going at it. And now they got to be separated. Brooks tackled on the end line. Mitchell pushed to the stanchion. Security guards coming in, as well as assistant coaches from the Memphis Grizzlies as things got heated in a hurry and are still heated. Some all-out scrapping in Cleveland on Thursday night. The Cavaliers took a 128-113 win over the Memphis Grizzlies, but it did not come without controversy. Dylan Brooks with a groin shot to Donovan Mitchell that led to those events, which you just heard from Mark Kestisher and P.J. Carlissimo on the call for that game on ESPN Radio. You are listening to Canty and Carlin on ESPN Radio. Courtney Cronin, Randy Scott sitting in for the guys on this Friday afternoon, as always, presented by Progressive Insurance. So to set the scene here, Dylan Brooks was going up for a layup with just under six minutes remaining in the third quarter of this game. But his attempt got altered or thrown off course because Evan Mobley, you know, hit the ball and and then he heads out of bounds. So Donovan Mitchell's trying to save the ball. Dylan Brooks, who at this point is on the ground, takes his left arm and just kind of flings it backwards and hits Donovan Mitchell right in the groin. Donovan Mitchell... Obviously not very happy about that, and was not going to just try to forget the moment had happened, Randy, and move the ball up the court. He responds by taking the ball and throwing it at Dylan Brooks, who was still on the ground, and then the scuffle ensued. You know, People come over from the benches, support staff, coaches, players, what have you, to try to separate everybody. It eventually ends up with Dylan Brooks getting assessed a flagrant two foul, which is an automatic ejection. And then Dylan and, and then uh, Donovan Mitchell was ejected as well, hugged his mom, I believe, on the sideline, walked off to the locker room. Uh, you know that's going to happen if you launch a basketball at somebody. But frankly, I cannot blame him for doing that because this is not the first instance we've seen from Dylan Brooks – getting a little too physical, and this one honestly felt intentional. I know that on the broadcast, both on TV and on radio, they were trying to downplay it a little bit, but this to me feels like it warrants further punishment because it felt so blatant and adding injury to even more injury here. We all know, and Dylan Brooks knows, that Donovan Mitchell was nursing a groin injury that he's not 100% from right now. Yeah, that's true. Hitting someone in the groin when they're recovering from the groin injury. Um, I actually didn't remember that he was still recovering from that. I just, you just don't hit him. You know, it's not even a man because it's like a human code. Like, you don't hit a man there. And there was no reason when you watched the play. I was baffled by what I was hearing from Reggie Miller. Although, Reggie would flirt with the boundaries in his own playing days, right? Of uh, of what you were allowed to do. The echo of the whistle, I think, is the NFL parlance for it. But um, there was no reason watching that for Dylan Brooks's arm, his left arm, to fly up the way it did. There was no momentum of his body, no contortion of his torso, none of that stuff where it needed to happen. And he hits Mitchell, you know, right in the uh, right in the old backcourt, you know? Hit him right in the old... Right in the old Cuyahoga River, right? Right in the old Rock and Roll Museum. Like, got him. Just got him right in the Hall of Fame. Got him right there. And Mitchell had had enough. And Dylan Brooks is right. This is not an isolated incident, as you said. You know, what he did um, in breaking. God, who's, whose arm did he get Gary up? Gary Payton II. Thank you. Yes. Um, you know, it's one thing to be a flop artist. It's another thing to cause physical injury to your opponent. And I feel like the NBA, perhaps as much or more than other professional sports leagues, considers itself a brotherhood and sort of like a we don't do this to each other thing. So I really do feel like a line 
has been crossed and a code has been broken by Dylan Brooks. J.B. Bickerstaff, the head coach of the Cleveland Cavaliers, called it a cheap shot in a number of different ways. And this is what Donovan Mitchell had to say following the game, addressing the situation with Dylan Brooks. Yeah, for sure. Um, that's just who he is. You know, we've seen it a we've seen it a bunch in this league with him. Um, him and I have had our personal battles for years. Um, quite frankly, I've been busting his ass for years. Uh, playoffs, regular season. Um, you know, in the one game he does a high job with me today. I decided to do something like that. And, you know, that's, there's no place in that in the game. And, you know, you got to protect yourself at the end of the day. But uh, this has been going for years. Um, with me, with other guys in the league, and we, we all see it. You know, it's not something that this is this isn't new. Um, and, you know, tonight was just the end of it, but it's tough when you can't guard somebody, you can't do something with somebody. You got to resort to that, and that's what he's done to a lot of players. You know, I, I, off the top of my head, I think it's like Dame and, and, and Steph. He, you know, it's, it's just one of those things. That's what you resort to, and that's cool. But um, I'm glad my guys held it down tonight, and you know, had my back. You know, throughout the whole thing. Courtney Kern and Randy Scott with you on Canty and Carlin on ESPN Radio. And this is history that is rooted far beyond this game because, remember, Donovan Mitchell used to play for the Utah Utah Jazz, who that those two teams saw each other quite a bit being in the Western Conference. So I can understand what Donovan Mitchell was saying there where it's like you can't guard me, you can't do this, you can't do that. So you resort to the cheap shots. You resort to the letting your frustrations mount over because I'm better than you and this is how I'm going to take it out on you. And frankly, I don't think he's wrong in that because look at where the Grizzlies have been as of late, Randy. They've lost seven of their last ten games. They're losing Brooks to a suspension. You know, if they have to lose Brooks to a suspension, that's only going to make things more difficult for them. He's going to be a free agent after this season for him, for his own case. This is not going to help him necessarily for the Grizzlies wanting to commit to a long-term deal with him. Something's got to change here because at one point, I remember the Grizzlies were near the top of the Western Conference and they've stumbled. They've stumbled, and this is a this oh, is a yeah. Western Conference that has a ton of parity in it. But you cannot afford to give up this much ground because in that moment, when that happens, the score of the games eighty one seventy six Cleveland with five forty eight remaining. The Cavs went on to win in a blowout one twenty eight one thirteen. I don't think they needed any more motivation after that to bury the Memphis Grizzlies who were playing without Jaron Jackson in that game. John Morant had you know a decent game on his own, but he's not the storyline here. When Dylan Brooks is becoming the sideshow for this team, and remember, it's not just this incident. It's not just the incident with Gary Payton too, which a lot of people gave him credit and said, "Look." It's basketball. He was making a physical play in transition. He broke the guy's arm. It sucks, but it's a, it's a, it's a circumstance of the game. Think about then what happened a couple weeks ago when Shannon Sharp and him get into it for, you know, as a sideline altercation. Like, an isolated incident's one thing, but repeated things, you've got to look at yourself if you're Dylan Brooks and say, I may actually be the problem here. It's not just everybody else around me telling me the problem. I need to realize that, have some self-awareness, because the way you're playing is hurting your team. It hurts also the neutral fans' interest and, and, and rooting interest in a young, talented, exciting Grizzlies team. He makes the Grizzlies less likable. That's where I have an issue. It's like, I want to root for John Morant, but, but do I want to root for John Morant's team if they have one of the dirtier players in the league? You know what I mean? Yeah. 
No, it's tough. And, I mean, Ja is obviously a face of this league. He's a fun player to watch. He's offensive explosion canned up in one person. But even he has kind of caught heat as of late considering his comments that he made before the Grizzlies had their primetime Christmas Day game right in the spotlight of NBA's of the NBA's Christmas Day slate. And then they've lost seven of their last ten games where it's like, okay, well, you guys – are tried to talk the talk, but you're not walking the walk here, being able to back up your words. And they've got to figure out something here as they come closer to not only the tra- trade deadline, but the halfway point of the season at the All-Star break so they can get back on track and get back, you know, kick things back into gear and be the team that was shaking up the Western Conference from the early part of this season. Straight ahead, some news from Adam Schefter about a quarterback who will be on the move this offseason. This is Canty and Carlin on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. 10 seconds on the clock. How many things can you name that are always growing? Your relationships, your skills, your customer base. How about businesses on Shopify? (laughs) Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash network, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash network now to grow your business. No matter what stage you're in, shopify.com slash network. Canty and Carlin, the podcast. Listen, Derek, you've thrown touchdown passes in Vegas before. You've been on fire. Have you ever been that hot in Las Vegas? Not that hot. It's uh, probably why I'm going somewhere else. <laughs> Oh, man, this is Kenny and Carlin, ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Courtney Cronin, Randy Scott. We're all kind of cringing there as Derek Carr says that. But he's obviously not joking because he's going to be on the move this offseason. According to ESPN's Adam Schefter, the Las Vegas Raiders have granted Carr permission to speak with teams who have already agreed to the compensation Las Vegas is looking for in a potential trade for the quarterback. So that's sort of the same agreement here that the Houston Texans had last offseason with Deshaun Watson in trying to find a trade partner, basically telling Carr and his camp, you guys do all the heavy lifting, pick from these teams because we know they're going to give us something back for you. I think it's just a matter now of when, if he's going to be the first free agent sort of domino to fall because that's what I consider him at this point. There is no way he is coming back to the Las Vegas Raiders. He is as good as gone, and there are many suitors for him right now when you think about Tampa you think about the Jets you think about other teams that need quarterbacks yeah I mean the the list is out there Bill Barnwell and company uh, put out an article saying that you know it looks like what did they say 13 was it 13 NFL teams uh, in the market for quarterbacks the Titans are in that group Um, you know I think he had the Falcons in there you know maybe uh, Desmond Ritter isn't the uh, isn't isn't the answer um, let me see here. Where should Aaron Rodgers land? I mean, it was it was a, a lengthy list, and you can't tell me that Derek Carr wouldn't be at the very least a, sco- a stopgap, but potentially somebody that you could build around for the next five years. Yeah. Um, 
I I look at him as the best Raider quarterback of my lifetime. Outside of two flash years from Rich Gannon, maybe three. But he's the longest tenured and best Raider quarterback for me. That says a lot. Uh, not a lot of it's good. But I also don't believe that he was the problem with the Raiders. I, I don't think he's suddenly in year nine a turnover machine. You know, I think it was the uh, admittedly too complicated Josh McDaniels offense. And so for him to still have plenty of years in his prime left, the Jets, their floor gets so much higher if they add Derek Carr at quarterback. The, 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 the Buccaneers still have plenty of offensive talent in Chris Godwin and Mike Evans and um, Leonard Fournette and Rashad White. I mean, they have, they have tremendous pieces there. Uh, the, the Falcons, you know, with um, with, uh, with with their you know running back room and the, the, he could game manage there in Atlanta. The Titans, if they can still get a, one or two more good seasons out of Derrick Henry, like he is a valuable commodity out there. And the Raiders are just so quick to to just cut him loose. And and you can tell he was you know he shouldn't have played in the skills competition. If he gets hurt, he he lowers his own ceiling financially moving forward. I know there's some guaranteed money that would kick in, but he's out to prove a point. That's what was really interesting from a Pro Bowl event that, you know, had to be uh, had to be changed up drastically in order to make it more interesting. Well, Derek Carr made it plenty interesting. Yeah, he leaves the Raiders as the all-time passing leader, all-time passing touchdowns leader, and second in wins, career wins, 63 of those belonging to Derek Carr, a team that you didn't mention that I think – cannot possibly be put out of the conversation just yet is the San Francisco 49ers. Because remember, as of Monday, before Tom Brady breaks the internet by announcing his retirement on Tuesday morning, that felt like the sweet spot for Tom Brady if he wanted to keep playing Mm -hmm. to go do it back at home, more or less. We know about his Bay Area ties and to do it for a team that he grew up watching, the stories would write themselves. But now, if you're Kyle Shanahan with all this uncertainty with Brock Purdy and his elbow injury and Trey Lance, feels like you need a veteran quarterback, at least as a stopgap measure. Derek Carr, to me, seems like somebody who Randy would fill that very, very well. He would. Absolutely would. And I don't. I know that they're so invested in Trey Lance where they have to see that experiment out, but Derek Carr in that quarterback room would be a tremendous safety net. Nine days away from the NBA trade deadline, six day, nine days away from Super Bowl 57, six days away from the NBA trade deadline. That's coming full frontal here on Canty and Carlin. Coming up next, we have one big name we are looking in on who wants to move. Canty and Carlin, ESPN Radio. Thanks for listening to the Canty and Carlin podcast. You can listen to the show live weekdays from 3 to 7 Eastern on ESPN Radio. Plus, you can listen on the ESPN app. Canty and Carlin, the podcast.